Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm quite excited, actually, to talk about one of the movies I saw on the weekend. Oh, what did you see? Well, I actually saw two. It was a very movie-heavy weekend in this pre-Oscar season (laughs) um, time of year. I always see lots of movies at this time of year. Um, I saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, which had Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers, um, who was an American TV show host, like a children's TV show host. Like a new Hazelhurst. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. So Mr. Rogers <laughs> is like his character. So it was there was many things that reminded me of play school. But That's play so school funny. didn't necessarily depend on the one on the person. One. Yeah. It was like lots of different people would come and play with you at play school. Um like Eddie Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Deborah Mailman. Anyway. Um so yeah, but it was it's about his it's based on an article. Um, that someone wrote about, like, a profile that someone wrote on him. So it's based on his friendship that he struck up with this, like, cynical investigative journalist. Um, So it was very, very sweet and heartwarming. And Tom Hanks is just an absolute angel. Um, So that was very good. But that's not the one I'm most excited about. The one I'm most excited about is Bombshell. Even the way you said that then. Bombshell. 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 <laughs> I'm so excited. So it I hadn't heard so anything about cool. it and I saw um, – I've just seen a photo of it. I've not seen a trailer. I know nothing about it. So tell me. Honestly, I feel like the trailer is not great. Um, but <laughs> it is about – so the movie has Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman – playing real-life Fox News hosts, journalists, presenters, whatever you want to call them. Um, And then the Margot Robbie character, who is the third main character in this movie, is a fictionalised character who I guess is intended to sort of be, you know, and represent the greater, like, other people who may have been involved so basically the storyline is about them and how they stand up for themselves and speak out against um sexual harassment from the chairman of fox news um in america oh wow as based on a true story yes Wow. Um, yeah, we did lots of Googling. after. You don't you love mm. it when you see something based on a true story and you just do all the Googling to learn about it. I know. Um, yeah. So even as yeah. I'm telling you this now, I'm like, shoot, I'm forgetting my research because I'm forgetting his name, <laughs> Roger something. But it was played by John Lithgow, who did a very good job. Um, and essentially this man has been, like, set up Fox News and everything for Rupert Murdoch, who's like mm-hmm. besties with Rupert Murdoch. Um, yeah. So it's, they're all, you know, all the women at the company are like, it's very conservative and they've got to 
convey an image. And uh, Kate McKinnon, who we love, played a very funny mm-hmm. character. She was friends with Margot Robbie um, and they became friends. And Margot Robbie was like, you have a Hillary poster. And she's like, yeah. Wait, didn't you know? And it's like she's like an undercover, <laughs> like, liberal in this conservative workplace and environment and she's like oh my god you can't tell anyone that I voted for Hillary like oh my god no and so it's like all leading up so like the story mainly takes place in the lead up to the 2016 presidential election it didn't actually quite get that far um but it's sort of like 2014 2015 2016 that time um so Trump is mentioned several times but Mm. he's not actually president yet Mm mm-hmm that sounds really interesting. I just had it no idea. Like so I'd, I'd not good. heard of them making it or anything. Like yeah, I feel it's like quite it interesting. did kind of appear out of nowhere. But mm. um, obviously, as you know, I've mentioned, it's very um, tough subject matter. And even at the end, they said it was sort of one of the first times that this happened that women sort of came together to like take down a, a man that was, like, really highly regarded, like, in that way. You know, it's one of the first sort of Me Too things like this Mm -hmm. that they all spoke out against him. Um, But I thought it was very well done. And the style of movie, it's almost like there's, like, moments where it's almost like a documentary because they have, like, little voiceovers or they're, like, explaining things at the start. Um, And then... Yeah, and, like, they have even the way it was done where they have, like, a character come on screen and it has, like, this little box telling you who they are. So it says, like, their name and it's, like, so-and-so's lawyer or whatever just so you can kind of keep up with who all the different people are, which is really cool. Yeah, Yeah. I really like those little elements in movies like this. But also Mm. so much star power. Like, you'd be watching and it's, like, all of a sudden there's Alice and Jenny and then... Mm. Like so many people, I've even forgotten half of them, but I just love Alice and Jenny. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, well, so very top movie. I hope it wins all the awards. Really, really. It sounds like it. it will. Yeah, I hope so. Mm. What yeah. was the last movie you saw, Michelle? What have you been watching? Well, I haven't actually been to the movies for what feels like a hundred thousand years um <laughs> but we are hopefully this weekend going to see 1917 oh yes i have yeah <laughs> so that is apparently incredible but the last movie i watched was actually on wednesday um before we went away for the weekend and it was i finally watched isn't it romantic on netflix oh <gasps> you never watched that until now no, I don't know why. I just it it there I wasn't mean, like any choice. Just, I just didn't I didn't get around to it. You just don't get it. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. So what good. did you think? It was so funny. Oh my goodness. Very clever. Very funny. Um. Oh my god. The scene where they're doing I want to dance with somebody. Like. Yeah. It's just. So it's just clever because it's everything that you know is a trope in a rom-com like it's just really great it was it was very good I thought it was so funny I think I watched that twice in the first month it came out and I don't think I've watched it since but now I I feel like 
I feel like maybe we didn't talk about it and that's why maybe I'm sure I, I didn't I'm sure I would have watched it sooner if I'd told you to yeah. yeah yeah I must have bumped it to recommend something else but oh well but I'm <laughs> glad you've seen it it's, it's so yeah. fun oh I love the ending like the ending is just, very fun yeah just brilliant I also um, love the bit um oh the bit when she's like freaking out about everything and she yells and she's like oh my life's become a rom-com or whatever and then she's like and the trucks keep beeping in the background yes. and she's like oh, and it's Jane Raiden like, okay, <laughs> that reminded me of um like holy forking shirt balls <laughs> like yeah, um I the good it. place yeah it's very it. good yeah it was very funny um and just continuing watching Love Island every single day now that it's the winter season um which I know you'll be annoyed at me about I mean you do you I feel like my my recent tv tv obsession is basically the complete opposite of Love Island do you know what Um, else we've also been watching no tell me the masked singer UK oh my god I loved the masked singer (laughs) I know I remember you saying that, but then, like, I knew, because I listened to Shameless, I knew who the Australian one was. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to go and watch that now. And then everyone figured it out. It was so obvious. Well, yeah, yeah. I I don't, we have actually genuinely been enjoying it. Why? It's so weird. Why do I like, what is it about this show? It's ridiculous, but I can't stop watching it. It's great. It's so funny so bizarre and I usually don't like singing shows as well so yeah I think the difference with the Masked Singer is it's like technically they're singing but it's not a singing show because it's not like a singing competition show where everyone's trying to be really good or anything it's like it's not about the song or their singing necessarily that you're trying to figure out who the person who they are yeah and if it's like a secret talent or not or if they are a singer you know yeah it's really interesting yeah I just it's so weird because they're like so serious about like and tree now it's your turn like and unicorn you go like it's just so funny how serious everything is hosts it in the UK (laughs) is it someone that we would know no I don't think so I think it's someone that people in the UK know yeah but I don't well I guess the top of my head know who it is yeah yeah who was it in Australia in Australia it was Osha Oh, so, so is it like Grant Denyer or somebody? <laughs> Grant Denyer would have also been great, but no, it was Osha. So he's like, unicorn, come on, you know, like oh yeah. So. It's it's a good it's a good show. I like it. I <laughs> you know was skeptical at first, but I'm convinced. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. What have you been reading lately? Well, I've been reading the Twenty Four Hour Cafe which is appropriate oh, how for today's episode. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, but that aside, uh, obviously I loved it. Um, that aside, I literally stayed up late last night to finish reading a book called The Hunting Party, which is Oh, by Lucy a, Foley? Yes. It's a crime thriller. Um, if you know about it too, it, it must also be published by Harper in Australia. Um, yes, yes, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, so the, it is has just been one of those big thrillers that's been getting a lot of um, shelf space over here. 
so I finally caved and read it. Um, I say finally caved because like the paperback's out now, which means that it's actually been out for ages because they, I think they did a hardback first. Um, it's her second book's coming out soon, I think. Anyway, I downloaded it from the library and yeah, it was, it was really, it was really gripping. Um, I hated everyone in it. Um, <laughs> but I also think that was like sort of the point. Like, I don't think you're meant to really, I don't know. It was interesting. What was good is that it's one of those mysteries where it starts with you know that someone's dead but then it jumps back in time and then like keeps going forwards and backwards but you don't actually know until like the very final chapter who's dead or who the killer is um yeah so everything yeah so I was about 50 pages away from finishing it last night when I went to bed and it was like it's like 10 o'clock or whatever and I was already going to bed a bit late and I was like oh finish it like I was like I'll just read a few pages and I was like oh I'm so close I need to know who the killer is um so yeah it was it was good for like a bus trip because you can't stop reading it like it's it's really good um and it was set in the Scottish wilderness over New Year's so it was quite um quite a good time to read it I guess but yeah very good um still look still not necessarily actively looking for books to break my um, streak of contemporary books with breakup themes, but <laughs> I have a couple of other books that I sort of need to read soon, which I think will have different themes. So that's sort of why I went for a thriller. Um, and I think I might do some, like, there's some nonfiction books I was going to read. So, yeah, like breaking it up a little bit. Yeah, cool. I know. What about well, you? Well, my... My current read is my it's my first nonfiction read of the year, um, Uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner. I want to say I feel like it's Weiner. Yeah, I'm unsure how to pronounce her name. Anyway, mm-hmm. so it's about a woman who leaves her publishing job in New York to go work for a startup in Silicon Valley, um, in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley. So she starts at an ebook startup and then moves over to a data analytics company um and it's very interesting um like hearing her perspective and like how she's learning all about it sort of at the same time as everyone else is Mm. and yeah it's it just really makes you think about like how much this has become a part of our lives, reading about it as someone who was there when a lot of it was getting, like, really, really huge. So is it, I don't want to say just a memoir, but but is it it a memoir of her time or is there, like, a bigger hook? You know, does she uncover something or, like, do you know what I mean? Like, is is there... It's a memoir of her time and her experience in these companies. I, I mean, that still sounds fantastic, but I was just yeah. like, the way you were explaining it, I was like waiting for you to be like, and then she finds out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> just because, well, you know, we've had a, like, we were talking about Me Too and stuff earlier. I was like, oh, like, is this going to be like some, like, she uncovers something big? I don't think it's anything that dramatic necessarily. <laughs> I think it's more like, you know, just being in that space and then realizing, mm. like, even. Like, the part I'm up to at the moment, um, a lot of her colleagues and stuff are on different dating apps, um, and she 
is really skeptical because she knows how much personal data can be gathered from using like social networking platforms and things like that because that is literally her job is working for the companies that collect that data and she's like so I don't want to be on it and then it's like but then what about everyone else and she's like and why is everyone else using it when they know what it's for you know like even her colleagues so it's gosh that is crazy isn't it yeah isn't it and like that yeah that sounds really good yeah so it's just moments like that um that are very funny and and also how she discusses how how new it all is you know they Mm. have all like you know there's always that sort of funny thing about tech companies that have like you're allowed to bring your dog to work and wear whatever you want and like the big campuses you know well like they run Facebook and Google and everything it's just like other worlds and you can get food and there's parties and like you can live there and like you know it's like the circle or whatever it's just like nuts Mm. and it's like as that's all starting and she's come from publishing which is a very traditional media yeah it's so interesting and publishing's definitely not full of that much money either no no yeah (laughs) so that's the other thing is that she like basically left and she was like I'm there's nowhere she was struggling at the start of the book with like there's nowhere for her to move up Mm. um and everything and so you know she's just baffled when like they offered her like and they help her pay to move across the country and Gosh. give her a bonus because they're like yeah you're good at your job here's a bonus we want to keep you and she's like huh, I, what am I doing for this what? bonus you know like it's so it's just like this whole other world it's crazy mm. wow yes it's very wow. interesting I feel like you would really like it yeah it does sound really good Add it to my, add it to my list. I've tried to be really good this month and do no buy or borrow January um, as part of the Unread Shelf project and like read my shelf, which oh, was cool. going really well until um, we got like the twenty four hour cafe and stuff, um, which I had to read like for the podcast. So um, that like added to my shelf. But I have been like, I, I really do want to focus on my shelf. Um, of my little now little unread shelf so yeah I'm, I'm keen to like focus on that a bit more and stuff but I will file that away and come back to it later awesome all right well with that I guess we'll go to this awesome interview yeah I'm so excited about this <laughs> Our guest this week is a celebrated author whose debut novel, The Lido, has sold to over 20 territories worldwide. If you follow her online, you'll know she is a big fan of bright colours, especially yellow, and a passionate outdoor swimmer. Her new novel, The 24-Hour Cafe, has just been released. Welcome to Better Words, Libby Page. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So... I guess, firstly, congratulations on The Lido and now The 24-Hour Cafe. Um, A great name to explain the story, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it follows the lives of people visiting and working in a London cafe over 24 hours. So 
what sort of sparked that idea? What inspired it? Um, well, I think one of the things that I love about living in a city is this idea that um, at any time of day or night, there are people existing um, within arm's reach of you who have such full lives, but you only get to see a glimpse of them. Um, and sometimes your lives brush up against each other, you know, when you're on the bus, when you're sat in a cafe or restaurant. And as someone who's um, extremely I'd say curious, but nosy might be another word for it. Um, <laughs> I just love, um, you know, looking at what they're wearing and imagining their stories. And, and also, I think, um, you know, we live in quite, I guess, um, divisive times. And I love this idea that actually, I think we have so much more in common than we think often. You know, someone sat next to us in a cafe might have gone through a very similar life experience, might be feeling a similar way and all those kind of emotions and just... Um, I guess just the human experience really is what connects us. Um, so I guess that was kind of the starting point. Um, I also, so in the book, as well as all the, the characters who come and go, and I hope show sort of a, um, a, a glimpse at the city in general, um, it also focuses on the friendship between um, two waitresses, Hannah and Mona. Um, and I think for me, I really wanted to write a story that was, a, kind of like a classic love story but about friendship instead of romantic relationships because um, I mean personally in my own life I think you know my friendships that I have with my female friends can be just as strong and full of emotion and share lots of similarities in terms of like that moment when you meet someone and you just have that instant connection and want to know everything about them and spend all your time together um, but yeah I think they're not always given the weight that um, romantic relationships are so I guess those kind of two thoughts coming together was um, the spark of the idea for the book. I love that so much because it's almost in a way um, builds on the sort of things that you started talking about in the Lido as well with this idea of community and also just the friendships as well um, and it's really lovely to see it sort of fully fleshed out even more in the 24-hour cafe. Yeah I think naturally they're just themes it's funny it's not something that's that comes it's a conscious choice so much but I think mm. I'm learning through my writing the things I guess that are really important to me and I think friendship and community are things that are going to keep coming back you know in future books as well because I just think they're um, you know they're so important and um, also I guess um, rich territory for writing that you know if you think about a community it's um, usually made up with such a diverse mix of people and um, I think delving into their stories and um, you know the things that make them different but also make them similar um, is just a really interesting area to explore. Yeah absolutely and I love the idea of you know imagining you sitting in a cafe like looking at everybody thinking how can I write them into this story and yeah. the, the actual 24-hour cafe in the novel, Stella's, is like the perfect way to, to bring everyone together. Um, I think you often hear authors saying that, you know, they do look at people and observe people and, you know, want to write them into their novels and stuff. But um, to bring all those different stories together in a way that we so often experience where, like you said, like we can share a bus with someone, we can have a five minute conversation with someone and stuff and then not think about them again. Like, I just love the idea of being that observer and seeing that all happen in the cafe. Mm, and I hope that it's I guess I wanted to give 
a combination of so there are some characters who um, come back throughout the story and who I hope you kind of invest in and get to know a bit more but there are because um, I hope that's you know satisfying for the reader you know there are people who you do want to know what happens to them but there are also people who come in and just have a fleeting moment um, because I think actually that's life so often you only see part of the story and you might um, it might actually reveal so much you know about that person about their lives and yet they go away and you never know what happens to them and I guess yeah that kind of mix of the two of you know people who you do get to to see a bit more and then the kind of the fleeting encounter um, and I think those fleeting encounters can be um, can you know have really lasting impacts as well you know I think about moments in my own life where you know the random act of kindness from a stranger or you know someone who I've just spoken to for a moment on the bus but has said something that's really resonated with me um, I think we sometimes underestimate how those small interactions can actually have a really lasting impact and you know perhaps even go on and change the course of someone's life yeah absolutely I love this um, so much <laughs> I know it's just it's just such a like you said such good fodder for a novel there's so many and and the human experience too something we all experience community or friendship in some form so it is the perfect thing to explore in a novel form um obviously these days social media everywhere we hear people sometimes complaining about the lack of connection in the real world or the loss of community in some sorts but um we're all part of this bookish community online mm. um and you know all you know have other communities that we're part of some of which will be online what's been your experience with community in an online sense or do you think community can only exist in the physical world um I think it can definitely exist in both um and I think actually you know social media gets a really hard time and and for right reasons you know I think we should it is kind of a fairly new thing and I think we should be interrogating the impact that it has on us and our mental health and you know, I know there have been times in the past, particularly when I was younger and first kind of finding my feet in in the world that I spent far too long on Facebook kind of comparing my life to other people's and, you know, posting stuff that wasn't a true accurate, you know, representation of my own <laughs> life. Um, whereas yep, now absolutely. I think, hey, I've tried to be more honest, but also I'm careful about who I follow. And I, um, you know, I follow people who make me feel good. And, and also I've really sought out communities online. So I completely agree the book, um, you know, community online is amazing. And so kind of, it's just lovely to have people who share an interest with you all over the world, talking about books and how great they are. Um, but also I, um, I do a lot of outdoor swimming, as you might imagine from my first book. Um, and I've really found a community there. Um, I'm getting married this year and I've um, joined a Facebook group online for other brides planning <laughs> planning weddings and actually you know what that has been so supportive um, it was that group who actually helped me choose my wedding dress because I was on my own in a vintage shop and happened to see this dress you know I wasn't out looking to buy a wedding dress and couldn't make up my mind so I took a photo and posted it on this group and had so many just lovely messages of people going you know you have to get it and uh, you know <laughs> oh, these are people so all over the world who I have no idea who they are and yet you know they come together and can make you feel like you're you have these connections um so I definitely think um and, and I think if you have a niche interest as well um there there's a Facebook group or you know an Instagram um, community that you can become part of um 
I guess for me, I think the best example of that is when they then cross over into the, the real world as well. Um, mm. So there are lots of um, uh, swimming people on Instagram who I have connected with on Instagram, but then met up in real life and gone for swims with. And that's been so nice of kind of crossing over because I think although social media can do a great job of joining people together, it doesn't beat, you know, face to face interaction and those kind of those moments that can only really happen in real life. So, yeah, I think it can be a great tool, but even better when it facilitates real life connection as well. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, at the end of last year, um, a bunch of other bookstagram girls in Sydney organised a Christmas brunch um, and we all met up and there was like 14 of us or something and it was so fun and it was so funny going around the room and being like, okay, what's your handle again? Like a face <laughs> and like a real name to someone's handle um, on Instagram was just so funny and it was so nice too. And like then because, you know, we've met in – real life then like commenting on each other's photos and everything it almost feels like you're a real friend because you've like met them before (laughs) yeah exactly that sounds lovely (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I I don't know I Michelle knows this obviously we both find this sort of online community online friends versus real life things so interesting and I mean it's kind of reminding me of what we talked about with Tara Eglinton Michelle Mm. about like having friendships online anyway um <laughs> no we're very so, big believers that internet friends are real friends yes <laughs> they are and you know you uh, think about actually you have some friends who you might not see you know I've got a friend who lives in Paris and I see her maybe once or twice a year but the rest of the time we're communicating we actually write letters to each other but we're also communicating mm. by whatsapp and you think mm. actually that isn't too different to communicating with someone online like yes we have a history together but most of the time we're not seeing each other face to face so yeah Mm. I definitely think once you've built up a rapport with someone um, as long as you're keeping up that communication whether it's in real life or or online and you know everyone leaves busy lives when we can't as much as I'm you know I would love to see all my friends every single day (laughs) you know that isn't possible so I think social media can be a great way to you know form those connections but also keep them up as well Mm. Mm. um so obviously we spoke a little bit about the 24-hour cafe but we'd also really like to talk about the lido for a bit um mainly Mm. because it's been such a huge success uh in terms of sales and um the film rights have also been sold how does it feel to see your story reach so many readers worldwide, especially because, you know, you wrote it in your spare time while you were working mm. and stuff? How does that feel? I mean, it's amazing. It's very surreal when it all happened. You know, I was, as you said, I was writing in my spare time. I was working in a marketing job and I've always wanted to be an author. So it very much is, you know, a dream come true, but it kind of took some getting used to. And you know, I'm still not used to seeing my book in shops with my name on it. I always go over and stroke them. Um, (laughs) The day that the Lido came out in um, paperback in the UK, I went into um, my local bookshop and I was stood there stroking the book and the the manager spotted me and said, oh, you know, Libby, you can sign it if you want. And I was Uh so embarrassed. I just felt like, but luckily she said to me, actually, all authors do the same thing so um, I think it's not too unusual you know that sense of pride I'm sure have. they do 
I'm sure they do. I just, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone else admit it. Okay. So my for that. Uh, this is it. I'm breaking down the stigma. People stroking <laughs> <laughs> their books in public. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I have always wanted to write, but, you know, first and foremost, I think of myself as a reader. So, um, you know, that thrill of going into a bookshop, which is, you know, one of my favourite things to do, and then seeing something with your name on it is just, I, I hope and don't think that will ever get old. Um, so, yeah, it's been, and it's just so lovely to hear back from readers as well. You know, I've had quite a lot of readers get in touch and say that it's encouraged them to go swimming for the first time in years, um, to find their local outdoor pool. Um, someone who um, had an 18 year old contact me who said she was best friends with her 90 year old neighbor and she said all her friends her younger friends thinks it think it's really weird and she said you know she read about the friendship between Kate and Rosemary in the Lido and was like yeah you know it's this is what it's like for me and just because someone is a different age doesn't mean you can't have a real connection with them so you know all of that I just love so much you know being able to kind of um have those conversations and hear back from people um yeah it's it is the best feeling and do you have like a favorite cover from I've seen you post some of the covers before on Instagram do you have a favorite from all of the different uh places that's been printed um I'm turning around to to look at them (laughs) (laughs) um I I love all of them really I mean obviously the the UK one which has been used widely um in other countries too um I, you know, I do have a real fondness for. Um, I really love the Korean edition, actually. Um, it's amazing. It's got a kind of cartoon of um, of Kate and Rosemary sort of getting into their swimming gear. Um, and it's just so fun. Um, so that's one of my favourites as well. Um, but it's just been so interesting to see the different take on it. And, you know, I before writing the book, although I um, loved reading and loved writing. I didn't know that much about the publishing um, industry. And so it's been fascinating to kind of see, you know, this the sense of different markets, having different tastes um, and um, all of that side of things of, you know, what cover is going to appeal to um, a specific market I found really fascinating. Oh, I always mm. find this so interesting as well. And this is one of my yeah. favourite questions. What surprised what- you the most about the publishing process um so many things really I mean I always had this sense that a lot of people were involved in um you know I never just thought oh yeah you write a book and then it gets published I did have a sense that there's more to it but I didn't do the more steps <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, But I guess how many people are involved has been um, the surprising but really amazing thing that I love how everyone has such a specific role. And, you know, all the people who who are involved, like I couldn't do their role, but also they say they couldn't do my role. So it's, you know, the fact that there's, um, you know, an, an editor who is so amazing at helping with kind of structural things but also if um, you know there are things that need to change in kind of the characters the narrative arc um, but then also that you have a um, copy editor who does all the really fine nitty-gritty spelling and grammar and just knows so much about um, that area I find just amazing and yeah I could not do that (laughs) as a job Um, and but that's amazing you know that there are all these people with very specific skills um so that's been um surprising in a good way um I guess also um 
how kind of small and friendly the industry seems because you think it you know it is such a huge industry and yet so much of it I have found is um, based on personal connections so you know everyone seems to know everyone in the publishing industry and also (laughs) the thing I really love is that um, publishers kind of sell directly to bookshops and so they have relationships with individual booksellers and bookshop managers and um, I just think that's so and actually for the Lido I went on a little bit of a tour pre-publication going in and physically presenting my book to bookshop managers and talking to them about it and I just thought that's so amazing I mean I don't know what other industry of that scale you still have that personal connection Um, and so yeah that's been a really interesting but surprising thing yeah yeah I mean that part of it I always find is like you know obviously many advances have been made in the industry but in in ways like that publishing is still very traditional Mm. um, and very old school but Mm. in a very charming way (laughs) yeah I guess you know anything like that it can come with its downsides as well and that Mm. um, you know I know it's been criticized before in terms of you know access to people getting into the industry you know particularly if you're you know wanting to work on the publishing side I think it you know there's this idea it can be quite difficult and and the same with getting a book published but actually I think in a way I hope I'm kind of a good example of someone who just wrote a book and it was submitted into agent slush pile which I'm doing the air quotes for because I kind of hate that term (laughs) yeah that's just how any normal person submits a book you know you write a book you send it in you don't know that agent you don't know that publisher um but I hope you know the fact that you know my story the fact that I you know you you can make it through that has I think is is certainly encouraged me and encouraged me to tell other people you know just have a go and um it might seem like this kind of inaccessible industry but you know it's possible to to kind of break into it exactly you never know (laughs) um so away from I suppose books for a little bit um so as we've mentioned a little bit Swimming isn't something you just wrote about for the Lido. You and your sister are also very avid outdoor swimmers. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a bit about that and how you got started in that? Because I know for me and every other Aussie listener, it's not really something that we're very familiar with, I guess. Yeah. All of our pools are outdoors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, putting it in perspective, you know, I'm still swimming here in um, the UK in a pond. It's six degrees um, Celsius at the moment which is oh is God. warm it's been down to four degrees um, and I'm swimming you know in a swimming costume and I have like neoprene gloves and socks um, but that's it I remember actually I was on holiday um, in Italy a couple of years ago in the summer and I was getting into the water to go swimming um, and I heard this Aussie woman beside me going oh is you know is the water warm and I was like yeah it's really warm and she got in a second later and was like oh it's so cold and I said actually I should have told you I swim in ponds in the UK like all year round so that water was very warm um but yeah in terms of oh how I got into it um so I mean I I up until a few years ago I could barely swim I wasn't really I wasn't sporty in any way I wasn't a confident swimmer um but I got into it in my first job um swimming in a pool that is um 
because one of my friends went every day before work and just said it was amazing for stress relief really um so I started going with her and even though I was sort of doing a very dodgy breaststroke I (laughs) immediately did get that sense um so I practiced a lot in a pool to kind of get more confident but then I was really craving just getting outside you know swimming under the sky um and I started in Lido's which is obviously what inspired my book but um I think once I'd had that taste of swimming outside I kind of also wanted more adventurous um things as well um so my sister and I went on a weekend um swimming in um the Lake District in the UK and um I just got the bug it was amazing you know we went on a it was a very grey weekend it was really drizzly and we walked up um this very large hill to a kind of um a tarn um hidden between the hills and we were the only people there um and even though it was really great it was just so beautiful and so peaceful and to get in the water and you know have kind of just some ducks swimming around you but nothing else really there was just so special um and yeah I think I just that sense of I think so often in our life particularly because I live in a city you know there are very few instances where I feel like I'm doing something properly wild and you know connecting Mm. with nature and and something that humans have done forever really you know getting into water um I think it's you know we've always lived by rivers by sea um so it feels kind of very natural um yeah and I've just been hooked ever since really um and I'm lucky that there's a swimming pond um not far from me in London that's open all year round um so last year I made it to December swimming um and (laughs) this year my aim is to make it all the way through the year so I've got a um I've made a group of um swimming friends who um I meet with twice a week um and yeah we go in and well I'm still doing it now so I'm hoping (laughs) I'll be able to make it all the way through but that rush you get from the cold water is just amazing you know you feel on such a high afterwards um and it also feels quite um you feel brave you know I don't feel like I am a brave person (laughs) I you know I'm scared of a lot of things and I've you know struggled with anxiety and panic attacks in the past and I think to do something where people look at you and go wow like that's crazy you know so many of my friends (laughs) like why are you doing that like you're mad going in you know and that they would never do it and I think that's part of it as well is feeling like actually I can do this and the kind of sense of accomplishment you get afterwards is really great too mm. yeah I wow. mean I think you're brave yeah I think <laughs> I, <that's> brave. <laughs> um, I'm brave I'm just practically like, one. <laughs> fascinated I just sorry Caitlin I cut you off no no that's right I'm just thinking I went to uh Newcastle um which is just like I think it's like three hours or something from Sydney um, in like, I think it was like the first weekend of December um, and it was like not super sunny. And I was like, the start eh, of summer in Australia, too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it, like, it wasn't a very sunny weekend. It was like a bit overcast and cloudy. And I was like, Oh, what is too cold? <laughs> oh. <laughs> How you feel that? Think of me in the, in a pond here in the UK swimming in um yeah like very very low temperatures. I'm I know. Really I feel like such a that, 
<laughs> you you know what though you build up the acclimatization that if yeah, I, guess so. I had never done it before and went into the pond today like I would not kind of deal with it very well but if you just keep doing it regularly you do get used to it and you know now it does you do get a bit of a shock the second you get in but it doesn't feel painfully cold um whereas last year when I did it I wasn't going as regularly and so I wasn't as acclimatized so I think yeah like any of these things it's if you just keep doing it you suddenly can do it um but you have to want to though and I think that's the thing a lot of people might not want to (laughs) fair enough (laughs) what are the um what are the actual like I'm just fascinated by like what are the practical steps you take to be ready to go in water when it's Mm -hmm. that cold um so the main thing is is acclimatizing so you know I think people you know you recommended that you just keep swimming from the summer through autumn and into winter I think it's not advised that you suddenly on you know one chilly day go oh, I'm gonna go and jump in water and actually jumping in isn't advised either because you kind of want mm. your body to get used to the water rather than having that big shock so mm-hmm. I tend to kind of lower myself down the ladder halfway splash some water onto me and then kind of slowly um ease myself into the water um I find gloves and socks really make a difference you know you kind of and I wear a woolly hat as well um so kind of those extremities keeping those warm um and the main thing is just getting warm really quickly afterwards so I always have about 10 jumpers to put, to put on afterwards <laughs> Um, and a hot flask of tea a hot drink really helps because you're kind of warming yourself on the inside um so yeah I think those are some of the main things really yeah (laughs) I must say I have discovered a new love of being outdoors especially Mm. when it's cold um obviously not when it's sleet um (laughs) I experienced last night that was horrible um but there is I've discovered nothing I love more than going for like a hike in my full like winter kit when it's like three degrees outside like I actually (laughs) love that because the thing that I hate about doing any exercise in Australia or being outside in Australia is um the bugs but also Mm. just how like sticky and hot it is like I actually hate that which yeah, is, I mean, it feels just wrong that I was born in a tropical area because I hate <laughs> it, it so much. It really does. The more you keep talking about it, I really realise that you were you were never meant to live here because I was so I love all of those things. All year. <laughs> like even moving from Queensland to New South Wales, I'm like, why isn't it 40 degrees every day? It's January. Like, come on. And I miss it. And you do not miss it at all. <laughs> I know, like, please. I I love it. Like we went, um, so we really discovered a new love of, yeah, like going on country walks and stuff mm. like that. I don't think I'll be swimming in a pond yet. But, um, yeah, like the closest. I, but it's like you said, Libby, it's like being connected to nature and being away mm. from everything. Like there's something so magnificent about that and I realise in Australia, obviously, we are blessed with some amazing, um, amazing natural things. And obviously, I, I love Australia and I love that. But also, there's just something that makes my heart like skip a beat when I'm walking up like a muddy track. And then I turn around and look at these like green rolling hills. Like, mm. I just love that. I love it so much. And I love that over here, um there's all the public rights of way as well so Mm. you're literally just trekking through a farmer's field 
walking past sheep and I just I just think that's so wonderful you really and, want to go for a walk now, even though it's yeah. so great. I'm like, oh, I want to put my hiking boots on and get outside. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, I wish we had a car because we could get to more amazing places. But mm. I found the other day we, um, so we live near the Peak District. We went to Bakewell the other day because we can get to Bakewell on the bus. And when we were at the visitor centre, we found a, a little walking guide. And I double checked everything, but there are seven walks in there and they all start from the visitor centre, which means that we can get them from like we can get there on the bus. And so our plan is to do all seven a couple of times this year. Um, and that walk. amazing. Yeah. So like that's that's the closest we've been. It's it's absolutely magnificent. But yeah, um, my partner's just going to have to get used to the fact that once we go back to Australia, it's going to be very hard to get me outside again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an outdoor, oh, I just hate bugs and insects and stuff. And it's so much nicer <laughs> over here. And even when people say like, oh, but there are like midges and stuff. I'm like, no, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. So yeah, mm. I'm very much hoping to make the most of, um, we obviously like a lot of people when we moved over here said, oh, you're going to go to Europe and it's going to be amazing. But we've actually decided that we don't really want to go to Europe too much. What we want to do instead is, you know, go to national parks in Wales and mm. go to the Lake I mean, District. There are so amazing, so many places in um, in the UK. You know, actually this yes. year for my um, honeymoon, well, we're doing like a mini honeymoon um, just in Dorset, so um, where I'm from. And then our proper honeymoon is going to be a road trip around Scotland. So, you know, there's so many the places to, uh, yeah. to explore. Actually, I've told Jack that like maybe what not probably not while we live here because we're here for another year and a half. But one day I really would love to like either walk the West Highland Way in Scotland mm. or the Pennines like um, trail across England. Like I would do that with him. I think he was quite excited. He was like, really, would you? I was like, yeah, I think I would. Like I, it would be quite amazing to mm. walk all that way. Um, and yeah, I just think it would be such amazing sights. And Scotland's gonna gonna be incredible, like breathtaking mm. sights there. Mm. So yeah, definitely. I I feel you on the getting away from everything. And yeah, um, I think it's so yeah. important. Although, um, like I think London, you don't expect it, or like I didn't expect it when I thought of London. But actually, you're really lucky to have so many big parks and big mm. green spaces for for such a massive city it's yeah, incredible mm. I mean it's one of the things I love about it and why I can live here because I don't think I'm naturally necessarily a city person but um yeah there's green space everywhere and you know there are lidos everywhere there's um you know the fact that I can go um a couple of times a week to Hampstead Heath which is a huge green space and go and swim in a pond you know that's and I live in the capital city so um it is it is special for that and I think you know that's partly so much what inspired the Lido is this thing of you know living in a really really busy area in the city but still having places where you can get that kind of connection to nature which I think is so important the natural Mm. escape Mm, exactly yeah um since we're talking about exploring London um 
in the 24-hour cafe, I'm curious, how did you find writing, like, so many different characters? Are any of these little people who popped into the cafe, like, based on people you know or people that maybe you met in the cafe or on the street or anything? Um, so some of them are I mean it's a real mix I think Mm. I kind of sometimes think of myself as a sponge you know I'm kind of always (laughs) watching people and taking stuff in and but then the way it comes out isn't always as it happened if that makes sense it kind of all Mm. mixes together and like comes out in um, a new form Um, so yeah lots of the characters were kind of purely imagined some were perhaps an amalgamation of um, things that I'd witnessed, um, kind of stories from my own life, um, but some of them were um, more kind of directly lifted from moments I'd seen in the cafe that I go to, um, but also just other stories that have kind of stuck with me and that I've gone, oh, you know, I really want to write about that one day. So it's definitely a real mishmash of um, of things, really. Um, yeah all all sorts of different um different inspirations but um I definitely do um I mean I feel like I shouldn't admit to it but I do just love people watching and kind of overheard snap uh snippets of conversations um, me too (laughs) I yeah it actually it really annoys me it sounds terrible but I love people watching (laughs) I love it so much but it really annoys me that my partner is like like god love him so unobservant so I'll be like oh my god did you hear that (laughs) behind us he's like what and I'm like oh I need someone who's like also eavesdropping on this conversation with me (laughs) I think it's just natural yeah and it is to me it's like the biggest reason why I'm a writer in a way is that I'm just so fascinated in people and their stories and just I love kind of sitting down and yeah imagining what's you know you've seen maybe I've had a spark of an idea from seeing something you know happening in a cafe but then I get to you know choose what I do with that how I change it and what happens next you know it's such a great um kind of freedom really in fiction to be able to to do that Mm, yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) um so to finish on something like a little bit fun in tribute to the 24-hour cafe um and Stella's what is your go-to order when you head to a cafe for breakfast or brunch oh see it's so hard because breakfast and brunch are my absolute favorites because you can have savory but you can also have sweet or you (laughs) you can have them together on the same plate or you can have them separately so sometimes I might do if especially because I often go into cafes um, with my laptop and will be working um, for a couple of hours so I kind of think so as not to overstay my welcome I need to order quite a lot of stuff so I might start (laughs) with um, a kind of herbal tea and some eggs so um, kind of eggs benedict or just scrambled eggs on toast Um, and then a little bit later I might have a pastry so uh, a croissant or a um, you know some kind of Danish or something um this is making me very hungry <laughs> I know now I really want to eat <laughs> yeah. I have also recently kind of got more on board with the sort of American style breakfast where um you have sweet and savory together so pancakes mm. with bacon and maple syrup I used to think was such a weird concept but now I love that the kind of it's actually really good 
yeah, it is really good. Um, so yeah, I would say those would be um, some of my uh, orders. <laughs> oh, and what's your um, drink order? Is it herbal tea or do you, do you have yeah, any coffee? Yeah, I um, already decaf coffee, coffee. I gave up caffeine a few years ago, um, but I, yeah, so a decaf um coffee or maybe a hot chocolate if it's a really rainy miserable day um mm. nothing beats chocolate <laughs> that's so true <laughs> so yeah i, I now yours. just feel hungry <laughs> yeah now i feel hungry too i'm like well i've got to go i've got to work today do i need to be in my house or can i go to a cafe mm. <laughs> <laughs> caitlin what about you what's your go-to um, well, as you have seen firsthand, Michelle, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of getting pancakes for lunch if we go to a cafe. <laughs> yes. um, All day will, breakfast. Yes, yes, I will always get pancakes <laughs> if I can. Um, but if I can't, then I usually end up getting like a coffee or a hot chocolate and cake. Yeah. <laughs> like no matter the time of day, even if I'm it's a breakfast. Big, you know I'm a big fan of cake for any time as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like like you, Libby. I've like started to have like pancakes and maple syrup. Or um, in Australia, my go-to was always like smashed avo, like such a millennial, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, <laughs> but but the, the the cafe that we that Caitlin and I used to have lunch in um, sometimes just did like the best avocado and feta smash. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but over here, I really got into having like where they have like homemade beans on toast and stuff Mm. I love that that's especially now that it's cold like a nice warm breakfast is beautiful Mm. and that note I think I'm gonna go and have a second breakfast yeah I think (laughs) we're all gonna go for a breakfast now but it really really didn't (laughs) cut it (laughs) uh thank you so much for joining us Libby where can people find you online um so I am Libby Page Writes so on Instagram um Twitter and Facebook wonderful and the I know the 24-hour cafe is now in stores in the UK um is it being released in Australia at the same time do you know Uh, yes yes it should be coming out um in Australia at the same time Ah, excellent. So everyone can awesome. go and get a copy now and go go to their favourite cafe, go read it at the cafe with a nice brunch. I think that's the best way to do it. <laughs> oh, well, Thank you so, so much, much Libby. Thank okay, you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us on our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at Better Words Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.